Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 64. As always, once again, I'm joined by Dom. The boys are back. The boys are back and Jordan. Hooray, I have returned. <laughs> this is our first good. podcast together in I think almost a month. You know, things happen. Glad to be back. Glad we're finally all together. Uh, so last week I had to do a one-man podcast, which is interesting. Um, now I get to actually talk to people about what I've been playing, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> this was, like, I think the most superhero overload week I've had. Um, I talked oh, about this cool. last week, too. So last week I talked about I played through Injustice 2. I obviously beat the game, but I've been playing through the multiverse stuff, which is, like... Um, it basically adds on to the game and gives you more to play. It gives you all these different... Uh, scenarios with the iconic characters in different gear sets and um, different uh, modifiers to the gameplay. Like one of them was like a Joker-based event, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, where you were poisoned. So the whole match, through all of the matches, you your health was slowly ticking down. So not only were you trying to beat these people, you were trying to beat them before your own uh, health went away. Uh, some other modifiers are like you don't have the ability to jump or you don't have the ability to use your super stuff like that and adds a lot of interesting stuff to the game um it has a lot more legs than i anticipated uh the whole gear system's cool uh the battle simulator allows you to without spoiling anything beat the game and have the hero of the game be each individual character and then you get to see the aftermath of that they're not fully fledged like 3d cg things like the actual story mode of the game they're more 2d animated stuff but they're pretty good quality and it's just cool to see different um, versions of how the ending would play out based on the characters, right? Um, I talked about how, uh, or maybe I didn't last week, one of my favorite ones, I've only done three or four of them so far, uh, Supergirl, Blue Beetle, Batman, and Green Lantern. And Green Lantern is really, Green Lantern, sorry, Green Arrow is really cool because at the end of it, he basically talks about having to go back to his own universe because... Long story short, in the Injustice universe, the Green Arrow that's fighting in this thing is from the other universe. The one, the Green Arrow in this universe died in the first game. Um, and he talks about how he goes back to his own universe to try to defeat Brainiac before that happens. And long story short, uh, the Multiverse Justice League shows up, which is essentially like the baddest of the bad for every superhero. So it's like the one that represents all super, uh, Superman, the one that represents all Batman, right? Uh, or Batman. Uh, so the really cool thing with that one is like, the, the multiverse Justice League Superman was a black Superman, which is really weird because, uh, you know, he's not Green Lantern. He's not somebody we've seen as different. Like, out of all superheroes, I think Superman would be the one that I would definitely always see as a white dude, you know? So it's really jarring, but it was actually really cool to see black Superman. Um, but yeah, I, that game has a lot of legs, and I'm playing a lot of it. And I actually, on another podcast, I want to get into how I think Injustice 2 is probably the most accessible fighting game we've ever had. Um, mm. and even more, like, people are like, oh, what about Mortal Kombat? I think it's even more accessible than that because I think superheroes are way more accessible than the Mortal Kombat universe. Um, yeah. and just to put this in perspective, I've never bought a fighting game mm. outside of, like, Smash on GameCube. This is the first fighting game since then, and I don't consider Smash a fighting game. That's just a, you know, relative, um... And I'm playing a ton of it. I love this game so much that I went to go do some research and I figured out what a special move cancel is, which, I'm, like I said, I'm not familiar with fighting games. 
loving the hell out of this game. And I'm not even a DC guy too much. I'm more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. Anyways, I don't want to talk forever. The other game I've been playing is Marvel Heroes Omega, which is the free-to-play game that came from PC to PS4 and Xbox One. It's like... Superhero it's Overload. Like, exactly. It's like an action RPG. Think of Diablo. Uh, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's not like a crazy great game or anything like that. There's touches of Marvel Ultimate Alliance and stuff like that, and yeah. it does enough to scratch the itch for the time being, but... It's very MMO-y, and a lot of that stuff always turns me off of, like, grinding the same levels over and over again, and gear chasing and all that stuff, and I know a lot of people love that stuff, but for me, it's too much. Like, I love going into open-world games and getting every checkpoint and every objective and every collectible, but with this stuff, it's like you're doing all that stuff, and it even feels more empty than it is in those games, you know? Um... So, I'm, honestly, I think the only reason I'm playing this game as much as I am is because there isn't another Marvel game to grab onto, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think once there's other Marvel games for me to play, I'll ditch this, or even when I just don't feel like playing a Marvel game, but right now I want to play something Marvel-related, and it's really my only option outside of paying way too much for an Activision remaster, wink, wink, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah just having fun with that. Uh, last thing I want to talk about, I never really talk about reading anything, but... Um, I've been in kind of a comic kick, which I kind of come in and out of. I read comics on a fairly normal basis, but um, I do have periods, like with any medium, we've talked about this before, where you just don't do anything in that medium, right? Don't play any video games, don't watch any movies. Um, so I start. I read Champions 1, which if you're not familiar, Champions is essentially uh, Marvel Teen Titans. It's the best way to describe it. It, it features Miss Marvel, um, Totally Awesome Hulk, who's the new Hulk, who's Amadeus Cho, um... Nova, uh, Cyclops, and Ultimate Spider-Man Miles Morales. Um, so I read the first issue of that. Really cool. Um, they're basically come together outside of the Avengers because they're they don't like the way the current Avengers are handling things. Civil War Two happened, um, and basically the way the Avengers look at things is they they screwed up a bunch of stuff, but they're not willing to fix anything, and that really bothers Miss Marvel and a couple of other people. And they end up leaving the Avengers and forming this little squad of people who are going for. Uh, less crazy dangers and crimes, but their their main focus is not only solving the situation, but fixing the aftermath as well, which I think is really cool. Uh, another person that's part of their group is uh, Viv Vision, which is Vision's daughter. Um, so that's, that's really fun. Nice. I'm enjoying that. Uh, went back and started re uh, reading New Avengers, which is from like 2003 or 2004. Um, and that is pretty interesting as well because... The opening page, spoilers if you haven't read New Avengers, it's like a 13-year-old comic at this time. The opening panel of New Avengers uh, shows Scarlet Witch uh, losing her mind and uh, basically messing with reality, her reality-based powers. And Hawkeye, Vision, and Ant-Man all die. And the reason I was interested in reading that is because I think a lot of those storylines are going to come through in Infinity War. Just how like they... They kind of cherry-picked out of Civil War what they wanted to include in the Civil War movie. I think they're going to add a lot of those elements from New Avengers into this. Because I almost guarantee you Hawkeye's going to die in Infinity War. Vision 2, considering he has the stone in his head and they need that for the gauntlet. Um, but yeah, so I've been reading that. And then also, I mentioned it earlier, Civil War 2, I read the first one. If you're not familiar, the first Civil War was between Captain America Iron Man fighting over the Superhero Registration Act. Civil War 2 is between Captain Marvel and Iron Man. There's this this, this new uh, inhuman that they find named Ulysses. He can essentially uh, tell the future with pinpoint accuracy. He knows exactly when things are going to happen. Captain Marvel is on the side of use his ability to stop crimes before they happen. Iron Man is on the side of you can't stop somebody from a crime they haven't committed yet. 
so that Nordy engages report style exactly, and um, that clashes. Spoilers? Are, do you, do either of you mind spoilers for the fir- literally the first comic? Do you want me to hold back? I don't want to ruin it for you guys. Go for um, it. I'm not going to read it. You can go ahead. I might read it, but it's one of those things where I'll probably forget it by the time I read it. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think this is going to be something that's set up later in the MCU, too, because obviously they're introducing Captain Marvel. depends on if Robert Downey Jr. stays around or not. They could change who she's against or whatever with this. Um, in the first uh, in the first comic, when you find out about this guy's powers, obviously there's a clash and they're against it. Um, then what happens is Captain Marvel... Ulysses has a dream. Captain Marvel... Uh, hears about this. She goes with the secret team to go handle this issue. Tony Stark knows nothing about this. Turns out the issue was Thanos coming back. So they actually know where Thanos is going to be through this future-telling stuff, right? Through Ulysses' powers. And uh, Captain Marvel and a group of heroes go to fight him. They defeat him, but She-Hulk and uh, Rhodey, War Machine, die in the first comic. And that kind of spurs everything to the next level because obviously Rhodey is Iron Man's like best friend and that engages in a whole argument and She-Hulk dies which is kind of crazy and they deal with the aftermath of that of like the gamma radiation from her dying which is something you don't really deal with because you know her and Hulk are of their own breed and stuff like that but yeah I think it it started off really good I think Civil War starts off really great if you're not familiar with that of how uh, basically a whole city explodes and there's tons of people that die, and that's the catalyst. I think they set this up very well, too. So I'll talk about it later as I keep reading through them, but I've kind of been on a comic binge and superhero binge. So what about you guys? I have a short list, so we'll get through it here. All I've been playing is Skyrim Remastered. Why do you say, like, it's a bad thing? It's fine. <laughs> no, it's a great thing. I love it. Yeah. Um, that's just been it. I'm, I've not had a whole lot of time the past two weeks since we've talked. Um just some, just dumping time into Skyrim again. I every time I think about it afterwards, I'm like, why did I do that? Why am I still playing this game? But I keep wanting to. So I guess I Don't like you it. Want to right? play? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's just so soothing. Like I said a couple weeks ago, and I talked about it. It's just nice and relaxing. Um, otherwise, I've not played anything. That was it. Um, been watching a couple things that I want to point out. Um, first off, about four episodes into season two of Man in the High Castle on Amazon. Really good. I like it a lot. That's uh, the old his- history Nazi show, right? To boil yep. it down to its simplest terms. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And there's a there's a twist to something else. I won't say because it kind of would be a spoiler. But there's more to it than just that. As yeah. It appears. Um, but yeah. So that's really cool. Um, just the story and everything that's going on and all the politics because of it's you know you got like the Japanese are not even occupying anymore. It's just the West Coast of the U- the U S is Japan now, right? Um, or whatever they call it, and then the East Coast is uh, is Nazi Germany. It's just it's really interesting. Yeah, and then otherwise, I've been just porking out on episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Porking out. That's yeah. cool. Nice. Yeah. No, I used to watch it all the time as a kid, but you know when it came on TV, so it was sporadic. Um, yeah, I've never like watched them all or anything, just here and there. And I used to love it. It used to be one of those things where. <clears throat> I used to like want to go over to my, my grandparents' house because uh, they had that channel that it was on and I didn't at home and that kind of thing. So it's, it's really oh nostalgic. God. It's pretty good. Uh, you know, it holds its own as, you know, quick 20, 25 minute episodes. Um, you know, it's, it's good. I like it. And it's all on Amazon too as well for free. So that was the kind of the catalyst there. I just stumbled upon it. Are you so. going to watch uh, Beyond after that or are you just binging the animated series? Yes, I plan to because I saw that on there as well. It doesn't. 
Batman Beyond doesn't come with Prime. You gotta buy those. It's like okay. twelve bucks a season, but I'm gonna do it <laughs> once I get there. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that was the other one I only saw ever saw a couple episodes of when I was a kid, and that was like the coolest shit ever when I was a kid, right? Yeah. But I never actually got to enjoy it. It was just one of those things. It was kind of like not forbidden, but like I just never got to. I don't know. It's, it's, well, that it's was the, one of the funny things too. Is like as a kid, you'd be like, "Oh, he has some Batman stuff. That's cool." And he's like, "Oh, he has some Batman Beyond stuff. That's even cooler." You know? Exactly. <laughs> it was like, it was not accessible. It was this kind of like thing I couldn't quite reach. I don't know. It was, yeah. So, I'm excited yeah. to watch all that too. Yeah. So, uh, actually, a couple things. First of all, shout out to Batman the Animated Series. One of my favorite shows of all time. Absolute classic. Also love Beyond. Beyond. And um, with uh, Man in the High Castle, I uh, really uh, love that concept. I love alternate history. um, And I really just love historical dramas for the most part. Um, But I got into the first season of that show, and I got through, like, I'd say at least the first four episodes, and I mean, it just felt like chewing cardboard, man. Like, it just felt so boring and bland to me, and I could not, for the life of me, enjoy that show. So, is it, does that change, or does it stay on that trajectory and just, uh, is that the, how the show is not necessarily boring for everyone, but just not as, um... Like, slower paced, kind of? I'd say... Uh... I don't Overall, know, I don't know how to describe it? It's not going to change much for you, I don't think. I will say yeah. there is one big thing that happens at the very end of season one, like the very last thing that happens, that kind of changes everything. Um, it's yeah. kind of a big reveal of what's going on in that universe, um, and you might find that more interesting as it brings a whole new element. Again, I don't want to say too much, but otherwise, the rest of it, it's. I mean, the way the story is told, the characters. I mean, it's all. You know the same kind of pace that I've noticed so far, so I don't so know. So it's. I'd would recommend you agree you that it's going. pretty slow and plotting? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's got a tone, I guess. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to explain. It. I I can see I can see where you're coming from. I don't know how to describe it, but I still find it all interesting. But I can see where you might have might get kind of bored. There were a few yeah. points where I got distracted, but yeah. when I sit down and actually watch it, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is good. Okay, well, I guess you're not through season two, are you? No, I'm only like halfway through four episodes. Okay. I'm episode five, so. So I'll wait for your final judgments on that season then. Uh, what what have you been playing? We haven't talked to you in a bit. Have you been playing anything? You've been busy, so. So yeah, I just uh, started a new job, which is part of the reason I wasn't able to make it these last couple weeks, and uh, so I have had less time. Uh, but I've been. Playing, jumping back into Horizon Zero Dawn uh, to prepare myself for this upcoming DLC that we've got. Excuse me, hopefully later On this the fall. horizon. You could say that. <laughs> you could. I wish you hadn't, but you could. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that game is obviously gorgeous and has a really solid gameplay loop for the most part i think the some of the robots get annoying just because of how vulnerable you are and how uh, just not even overpowered they are just like some of their attacks like they can jump 50 feet and you have no idea how to like you really don't have any good way of of getting out of the way properly like even if you uh, do you feel do you feel kind of small sometimes like some of them are the robots are just so like large that like you can try to dodge but it's kind of like dark souls where even when you dodge 
you know, <laughs> the enemy is just so big that you yeah. still yeah. get hit, right? And not it's, only that, but like they'll jump up in the air and cover so much space in such a short amount of time. Right, but right. Then, They'll also be swinging their tail around as they're coming down, so they're just covering such a large amount of space that you can dodge roll two or three times and still be within their attack range. So uh, that gets on my nerves quite a bit. Um, and then you just—I mean—you die so quickly in that game, even if you have good armor. So even it is unforgiving. So that can be frustrating, and I think that will be ironed out in the sequel, maybe even this DLC pack. But uh, I'm working my way through harder. the story. Mm. And, um, you know, it is an interesting story, but unfortunately I do think it gets kind of predictable in the overall storyline, like where it's going. You kind of get, um, I mean, really you could even kind of get, and I did, I think a lot of people did, uh, just from the trailers, you kind of figure out what's going on in this world and what has happened to bring us to this point. So that is somewhat disappointing, but I don't think it's a bad story. It's just... A little bit predictable, I guess. Um, so yeah, I've been playing Horizon and um, been watching some movies. We were talking about uh, Edge of Tomorrow before the show, which I found out was based off a of manga uh, with a very cool name. All you need is kill, which is one of those <laughs> Japanese things where they kind of like it doesn't really make sense in English, but it still sounds cool. Yeah. Um, so I dig that, but. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed that movie. That's some good sci-fi action. Very intense. And I really like the uh, the alien design in that one. Um, and kind of weird because they're called Mimics, and then in the video game Prey, they have a version of their aliens called Mimics, and they look super fucking similar. So, I, I mean, it's almost like like plagiarism levels of similar so that's kind of weird but uh just a little side note there i doubt that manga was the first thing to have i think that's a concept that's probably been around since sci-fi first was a genre i think that's a pretty easy oh yeah i'm just saying the actual uh look of the aliens in the movie and then they're literally have the same name and prey and they actually do look a lot alike in a lot of uh ways yeah i thought was a little little janky um, I want to give a huge shout-out, speaking of some great sci-fi, I want to give a huge shout-out to Neil Blomkamp's new studio, Oats Studios. Um, he's basically doing these short films that he puts out on YouTube, and he's also got some short comedy videos and stuff like that, but the main draw here is these like 20 to 30 minute short films, of which there are three right now. Uh, Raka, with, uh, starring Sigourney Weaver, um, the second one is called Firebase, and then the third one just came out yesterday, starring Dakota Fanning, called Zygote. Um, and if you're a fan of Neil Blomkamp, uh, District 9, Elysium, and Chappie are the three movies he's directed. Um, if you're a fan of Alien, or the Alien franchise, you know, sci-fi horror and stuff like that, um, this is the type of stuff for you it is really good sci-fi it is a lot of times really good sci-fi horror um really awesome special effects in these movies i mean obviously even district nine back in the day had great special effects so you can you can kind of expect that from neil unfortunately um he was gonna be doing a really cool version of alien five um that really never got put together as far as the production uh, cycle, so it seems like that is canceled, and also 
we just unfortunately lost Bill Paxton within the last year. He was going to be a big part of that. But um, this is kind of a uh, next best thing, I guess you could say. And so I just want to give a little spotlight to that. Definitely check that out, especially if you're into sci-fi. So loving the new Oat Studios short films. Nice. And they're, a little weird side note is they're putting their um, all of their uh, 3D CG um, assets, they're putting them on Steam, and you can go out and buy them and use them yourself, and that is going to help them fund uh, further projects. So that's a cool thing that they're doing. Yeah, it's, it's smart. Smart way to get yep. additional funding. Uh, I think that's everything we've been playing. Let's hop into the news. First bit of news here is sad, but I think it's smart. Uh, Nino Kuni 2 has been delayed to 2018. Uh, it was originally intended to come out November 10th, and it was actually a game that I was going to be buying on day one. Um, it's coming out on PC as well as PS4. Obviously, I don't have a PS4. Um, it's been delayed to January 19th, so just a couple of months. Um, I mean, we don't have too much to say about this. We can talk a little bit about it. I think it's a smart move. Um, this holiday's packed, and I think Nino Kuni 2 will probably be a great game, but it's one of those games that will probably not see the limelight. It'll probably have good critical response, but like with all the other games coming out, it'll probably not even be talked about right. So yeah. I think it moving to January is pretty smart. It's not too far of a move. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? So this is very similar to what happened with Gravity Rush 2 last year. Oh yeah, um, good point. Moving from the end of... Uh, 2016 into the beginning of this year 2017 and um, unfortunately for Gravity Rush they didn't really save themselves by jumping out of a crowded fall because they jumped right back into the lion's den that is Q1 2017 um, as we all know it's been fucking insane so uh, didn't work out so well for Gravity Rush but I do think it will work out fine for Nino Kuni especially looking at I'm pretty sure this is almost the exact date of the North American release of Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch. Hmm. Um, I think it was like January 13, January 18, somewhere around there. Uh, maybe 2013, I think, is the year it came out. So um, I think this is probably for the best for this game, whether or not it has anything to do with the uh, actual development time that it needs. And, um, yeah, I'm totally still day one. Are you still day one, or is this affecting your purchasing decision, Jared? This actually makes it a lot easier for, for it to be day one, because this fall, I'm like, I really want to get Nino Kuni day one, man, but there's so many other things I need to buy on top of getting a right. Switch and everything. I'm like, it's very hard for me to spend money. I hate spending money. And I'm like, but yeah. I really want Nino Kuni. And then now I'm like, I'm looking at January, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's probably going to be the only game I buy in January. Cool. I'm good, you know? Yeah. Well, don't speak too soon, because it could be stacked before we know it. Yeah, but so I, I obviously I do this thing for us uh, that where I list all of the video game release dates for the, the upcoming year and the next year and everything. And so far, the only thing like confirmed for January is Nino Kuni two. And looking at everything the way they've been listed, there's only a couple of games that say like Q one or very early 2018. The only yeah. things I think could be put in January are Far Cry. one of the. What do you say? It already has a release. Far Cry is February twenty seventh. February. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, are one of the PlayStation exclusives, and for me, that doesn't change anything for me because I don't have a PlayStation. You know what I mean? So, right. Me looking at the list, I doubt there's anything that's going to get in there. Uh, maybe a way out, depending on what they decide with that. But, um, yeah, I know you probably have too much, not too much to say about it, right, Dom? Because it's not really a game in your in your neighborhood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it looks cool. <laughs> no, I mean, I. I I, I think it's actually fascinating because I didn't realize um, I did watch a gameplay uh, 
video just a couple minutes, uh, I think a week ago, and I didn't realize they, they completely switched the combat, so it's it's real time now. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, no longer a turn-based game, which is a big deal. I mean, I don't know if I, if I like that better or worse. I kind of would have been more intrigued had it stayed turn-based, just because, I don't know, I, I, from what I've played with more, the first game, I, I understand why they would change time. it. Yeah, yeah. It was like more active time battle uh, than turn-based, but mm. it was obviously closer to turn-based than okay. Time. Well, and the thing okay. too is like we have all these games now that try to go for like crazy graphic fidelity and look the re- the realest that they can and stuff like that. And to me, I think two of the prettiest games that are coming out in the next year are Cuphead and Nino Kuni Two, just because they don't yeah. look like they're going for realism or anything. Like Cuphead looks like an early Disney animated film, obviously. Or short, and then Nino Kuni Two looks like a Studio Ghibli film. Like I just think they look so different from everything, and they're so polished. You know, I just love the artistic style for those games. So, um, so since since you brought that up, I just want to say it'll be interesting to see um, how that goes with the whole Ghibli thing, Jared, because um, obviously they helped Level Five make the first game. They were intimately involved, and which is really cool that Studio yeah. Ghibli even. You know, made a game, a, a giant JRPG in the first place, an awesome one at that. But they aren't involved in this one, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if it doesn't look as good or if it. Everything the story I've seen, they've suffers. released. I don't think. I don't, I don't think I'm the look worried, will but, suffer. I think the yeah. story might, but everything we've seen from gameplay and cutscenes and stuff, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty on par. Yeah, I think yeah. the writing might be where it might suffer, or might be better, or might be worse. You know, we just don't know. I think yeah, that's more it's likely just to not change. Have that special Ghibli touch magic. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next story here is a combination of a couple of stories that I want to talk about. Um, the first one being Blizzard. Basically, we've heard about Overwatch League. We even talked about it, I think last year when it was first announced. It was their esports league that they're handling a lot different. Uh, if you're not familiar, the way esports leagues work currently is that there's these private organizations that uh, essentially buy a sports team. They go out there and they find talent in a certain game. And they recruit that talent to their team. So a team has a roster, if you're familiar with sports. And then they just try to battle to get in through tournaments into the main league for that game. Um, be it the International for Dota or League of Legends Championship or anything like that. The way Overwatch League basically stated how they were doing things is that they wanted teams to represent cities. So instead of it being individual organizations, it's going to be organizations based in certain cities. So New York will have a team, Los Angeles will have a team. You know, that's how it was originally pitched. Um, In the last couple of days, they recently announced that uh, it's official and we have some of the teams. So in their blog post, they wrote, In the United States, the city of Boston has been claimed by Robert Kraft, chairman and CEO of the Kraft Group and the New England Patriots. Pretty big. That's a major sports owner there, one of the most successful sports franchises, much to my chagrin that has a team, right? 200 miles to the south, Jeff Wilpon, co-founder and partner of the Sterling VC, uh, who basically owns part of the New York Mets will be having the New York City team. Um, along with these owners from the dis- traditional sports world, we welcome three established esports organizations. Um, San Francisco has been snapped up by Andy Miller, the chairman of NRG. If you're not familiar with NRG, they're one of the most successful esports franchises. They have teams in uh, League, Dota, and uh, Smite, uh, and obviously um, CSGO and stuff like that. Uh, Los Angeles has been secured uh, by the Immortals. And uh, Misfits have locked down Miami. Uh, there's other teams in Shanghai, China, as well as Seoul, South Korea. Um, they have teams there that represent uh, brands or teams from those respective places. Um, I want to talk to you guys about this real quick. I think it's 
the first part of this is more interesting to me than the middle part. Like, it's cool that these cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles and Miami are going to have teams. It kind of disappoints me that they're based on esports organizations that already encompass other games. I like the approach of, you know, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, he, they don't have any stakes in any other esports. They're making an Overwatch team, and it's going to be the Boston Overwatch team, and I think that's cool um, because it will only be associated with Overwatch, and that's for the time being. Obviously, if they're successful, they'll probably extend to other things. Um, but what do you guys think about this? Now that it's tangible, now that Overwatch League is going to be kicking off, like, do you think these, we talked about before, these city-based teams, do you think this is cool that these major sports owners are dipping their toe in video games, in esports? Yeah, I think, uh, obviously, esports globally are gigantic. Uh, there's no, no doubting that, even if we're not necessarily into them that much. But I do think this is a big step for... American esports and them being accepted and um, you know respected the way they probably deserve to be. Uh, I don't enjoy watching esports or enjoy being involved in that uh, that scene, but I do think it is uh, interesting nonetheless, and it is you know something that obviously takes talent and uh, people enjoy watching. Large groups of people enjoy watching, so um, I'm glad to see it happening. Yeah. Dom, I have a question for you before you hop in. Yeah. So yeah, me and you yeah. are me and you are probably more into sports than Jordan. I would I would assume. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Dom, the thing that I always have uh, that that I feel is a bother is that when people talk about esports taking off and all these things taking off, they always talk about like, well, this needs to be huge. This needs everybody needs to know about this, but. I don't think that's necessarily the case, right? Because, for instance, the NHL, the NHL is a huge organization, right? Professional Hockey League, they make a ton of money. They're doing really well. I don't watch NHL. I have no interest in watching a hockey game. I've never even thought about buying any hockey merch, watching a game, learning about it, going to a game, anything like that. But it still survives and it has a dedicated audience, right? Same thing. The NFL is kind of like weird because it's like the biggest sport in the United States and it kind of transcends all of that. It's kind of how football is in, in England uh, or in Europe in general. Um, but like we have these like more niche pro pro scenes for sports that exist right and they don't not everybody's interested in them not everybody has a team they root for not everybody watches it so i just don't understand the hang-up of people being like no if esports is going to take off it needs to be gigantic and the thing that i think esports has over uh, uh, sports that we have like the nfl the nfl isn't huge in a lot of other countries you know what i mean so right i i, I just want to hear what you think about this dom considering you're a pretty big sports guy like myself yeah you really do kind of you can I don't want to say stop the comparison with real sports, but certainly, you know, stop the expectations compared to real sports because it's just not even – it's just so fundamentally different, right? Like yeah. football is the same game that's being played for 100 years, right? And it will always be played the same way with, you know, minor tweaks along the way, but it's the same game. The most successful video games will be played in esports for, you know – 10 years maybe if they're really good right yeah and then it's a new game right because people get into this sport i think i think we talked about this before that people you know like you just said you, you don't like hockey but you, you do like what, uh, football or basketball or whatever you're into that sport right yeah not so you have to also be into this into each video game itself not just gaming right because the yeah. games that people play esports of i don't care about any of them at all right yeah now Layered on top of that is I don't really like watching people, other people play video games to begin with, but they have to at least be games that I'm interested in, right? Otherwise, it's just 
it's irrelevant. So that that's like if there were no sports I'd be interested in, I'm not going to watch them. Yeah. So it, you can't you can't compare it to, to real sports in any form of expectation. Yeah. It's just not. But, but you're right that it still can find a good niche um, and be really yeah. successful. And this is a good start to the original question that, yeah, this is a cool way to get some attention. Like, oh, Robert Kraft, and he's like probably the most – He's an owner that's on everyone's minds recently, right? Now they're the Patriots, and then they got their other things going on with deflating balls and whatever yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. But, so um, this is the right step, I think. Well, and I think the other thing too that we need to talk about is you made a great point that like obviously sports teams like football, basketball, hockey—they've been sports that have been around forever. They're going to be the same way with minor tweaks. With esports, like you said, Overwatch will probably be if it's super successful, fifteen years max, and that's even pushing it, right? Right. right. The thing that lends themselves to that is making these teams that are based on cities because it's all about local uh, support of teams. Even if you don't care about it, uh, there's going to be people who see the Michigan uh, Tracers and they're going to be like, I don't know what the hell this game is, but I like I like stuff that says Michigan on it because I'm from Michigan and I love to support the state <laughs> I'm from. And it's a cool logo, you know, and people do I, that. I think where you got to go is more more along the lines of the Olympics, right, where you have the, the Boston Bombers or whatever. And right now they just have an Overwatch team. But maybe next year the Boston Bombers, I don't know why I'm saying Bombers, but that's what they're called in my head right now, they also get a, a Counter-Strike team and a League team all under the same name Yeah, Boston. You know but, what I mean? And that's the thing that's different is because we currently have those organizations that do that where they have a team in each eSport. But I, the reason it's not reaching these top-level popularity, and they're pretty popular, don't get me wrong, but like the reason they're not getting to the next level, I think, is because they're not tied to cities. They're tied to organizations that's kind of... Because what the fuck is NRG, right? I don't exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. You're more likely to have people support an organization that represents a city than an organization that just is an organization that represents itself, right? So... <laughs> And we just walked. Or we just talked all the way through it. I think we're all in agreement that while well, this isn't our thing, they're doing the right thing for them. Well, right? yeah. And think about this, like, especially with like Robert Kraft and the guy who's part of the Mets owning these teams, they know how to market those teams, right? They they're owners of successful sports teams. Not maybe not win wise with the Mets, but like you know, as far as merchandise <laughs> and stuff. And uh, they're gonna get like really great logos. They're gonna probably come up with a name. Like, I think the merch and everything around it's gonna be great. And I think that Robert Kraft is a guy who likes to win. We've seen that. It's pretty evident. He's going to want to make sure that this team wins and isn't just existing. So I think I think the inclusion of the other international teams is great, too. Like Shanghai being involved is great. Um, and from a political level, I think that's great as well because it shows us having ties with other countries and doing something. Whereas a lot of our sports are insular. You know, there's not an NFL team outside of the United States. Um, there's not an, uh, I was going to say NHL, that's wrong. An NBA team outside of the United States except for the Raptors. Um, so I think having these international teams, because, like, yeah, Canada's international, but it's, like, second America, you know? Like, it's not crazy or anything. Jesus. America's hat. Exactly. You're throwing shade. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this is cool. The second part that I want to talk about regarding the Overwatch news, and this is something you guys probably don't have anything to touch on because, like, you guys aren't super familiar with Overwatch. Um... But Doomfist is a new character that was announced, finally announced. Uh, there was rumors that he was going to be voiced by Terry Crews. He's not. Doom. On the surface, that would have been a cool thing, but the fact that they constantly update voice lines and stuff, that dude's super busy. I doubt they would want to pay the fees he charged or stuff like that, you know. Uh, maybe he'll be in the future. He'll be a character or something. I don't know. But anyways, we've been having this character teased ever since Arissa was released, who was like the the weird ox centaur robot thing that was created. Um the reason I want to talk about Doomfist is he has really cool abilities and stuff like that, but what he means to Overwatch as far as, like, um, the lore moving forward and the universe moving forward. So if 
Did you guys ever watch the original Overwatch release trailer where they're fighting in that museum? Yep. No. The do the gauntlet was the main prize in that trailer. It's the, one of the first things we see in the universe of Overwatch is this gauntlet that whoever wears it becomes a Doomfist. So Doomfist isn't a, a person, it's the person wielding the Doomfist, if that makes sense. So there have been multiple That's people cool. that have worn the Doomfist and become Doomfist. So he's been a character that wasn't even planned to be in the game, but because of all the fan fervor and people wanting him to exist, Blizzard went ahead and created him into an actual character. He was never meant to be a character in the game. They've stated that because they have a they have a long plan of characters they want to make, and Doomfist was just the Doomfist was just something to get to the point in the trailer, right? Um, what I want to get to with him is he's the first true villain or bad guy in Overwatch, which I think is really smart and really important. Um, if you're not familiar with Overwatch, there's Talon, who are the bad guys. Overwatch, who are the good guys. Uh, Overwatch are the heroes. They want everything to be peaceful. Talon believes that the only way humans can evolve is through chaos. There you go. There's your plot point. Uh, a lot of Talon, though, isn't... They aren't necessarily villains. They're more anti-heroes. A lot of them were on Overwatch. Stuff happened. Now they crossed them. So they're kind of like grudgy, revengey, anti-heroes or villains, right? Not really a true bad guy. They just... They have vendettas. Or they have, like, weird tie-ups in their stories. Doomfist is the first bad guy. Like... He, his motivation is to be a bad guy. In the announcement trailer for him, in his animation, he's seen almost essentially killing Tracer. He removes her thing that, that uh, affects her, because you know how she can go forward and backwards through time? Uh, her Chrono Accelerator, I believe is what it's called. He rips that off of her and essentially puts her in a, a never-ending time loop. So she's basically Jeez. dead to the world at that point. So he's like a bad guy. Uh, he clashes with Winston, who is the big uh, gorilla character. But, like, I think that's a very important to a world where you're trying to build these characters that are so beloved. It's great to have all these characters people love, but I think for something to really work and for people to be really invested, you need to have somebody that people hate. You know, there's going to be some people who love him, but you need to have a character that people can point to and be like, I hate that guy, you know? And Overwatch hasn't really had that. Um, and I think Doomfist is, is great for the lore. And I know you guys aren't too familiar with Overwatch, but what do you guys think about... Um, where I'm coming from, where I feel that you need to have like a true bad guy, like somebody that is pure evil, to have your lore and your world be successful and stuff like that. I want to hear your guys' opinion. I concur. I concur as well, but I also have a uh, a question for you, Jared. Okay. And this uh, is relevant to the conversation. It's been something I'm thinking about a lot when it comes to Overwatch. Um, Legos. When do you get when you get a new skin? Okay. Uh, for an Overwatch character, does that affect their move set? No. Or is it just aesthetic? It's just aesthetic. It doesn't. It doesn't affect their move set because a game like Overwatch is purely based on competition, so it needs to be it needs to be as balanced as it can. So I think for for logistic reasons they don't change move sets because that's that's a whole nother set of moves you have to tweak right before heroes come out so they're announced and then they have a public test server that people play them on for weeks before they're actually released to the public because there's so much balancing that goes into a character right and people are still going to complain that a character is overpowered or underpowered um some skins actually change voice lines and uh like the actual voice that's coming out which is really cool but no move sets are ever changed um, so that's my question because people freak out all the time about buying new skins for characters and I'm thinking, wait, if it doesn't change your moveset, even if they give you new dialogue lines, 
it's a first person game so really all you're looking at is the person's arms or maybe a gun something hanging off their body whatever it may be and so i just don't understand the fervor around overwatch character skins yeah um i think it's just it's owning that character like so whenever you watch something or you interact with something people fall in love with characters right for instance we've all seen spider-man i don't know if you saw it dom but like, not yet. Uh, Don't so spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it, but like Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure your ideal perfect super Spider-Man is different than mine, Jordan's. Maybe they're not too different, but I think there's some slight tweaks as to what we consider our favorite Spider-Man costume, right? Yeah. For a character like Namor, uh, deep cut... Uh, I don't care about Namor, you don't care about Namor. I'm pretty sure in the back of our mind, we don't care. We don't have a default... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Namor's my motherfucking dude. Well, I like Namor. You talking about you talking about fake ass Aquaman over here? That's my dude. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have like a default. This is what Namor needs to look like, right? Um, look at I talked about Injustice, uh, Injustice Two. One of my favorite things to do in that game is to mess with the gear and make the Batman that I want, make him look the way I want. Right, but you can actually see his character model when you're playing. Yes, but th- that's the thing is there you can emote and do stuff to where you can pull out to third person and see your character. I do agree that it's weird because it's mostly in first person, but there are instances where you can see your person. And a lot of it, too, is, like, you knowing that somebody else can see you in that skin, not so much you seeing yourself in that skin, which is kind of weird. Um, and also, like, there's kill cams where you pull out to third person and you can see what's going on, right? Um, yeah. And I think it's just, like, spirit, too, because, like, during the Christmas event, there was Christmas-based skin, so knowing that you're in like you're tracer and you're like in an elf costume is like pretty funny and really cool if you're really in love with tracer because like you're playing during christmas in a snow map you know um yeah but yeah so i don't want to spend too much time on overwatch we can talk about it for days but yeah well, i do agree I, yeah, with you that the fervor is the fervor is weird because some people get like super crazy about it for me it's like oh cool i don't have to stare at the same character model there's something different that, that on the screen especially if it's a character you love you'll get tired of seeing the same thing over and over again you know so just slightly tweaking it is cool but some people get how way much, too crazy about it how much does the skin cost skin so you can't you can't and i might be wrong about this because i might have changed in a recent update you can't buy skins individually they have to come in the boxes and oh, so you're just buying fucking loot packs, Jesus! Exactly, the bo- but you can earn you earn the boxes in game like really quick, um, and they're actually changing. They recently changed it to where they lowered the percentage of you getting duplicate items in chests because people were complaining about that, and they said, okay, we'll fix it. So they lowered the chance of you getting duplicate items in chests as well. Um, but you earn you also earn gold, and you can use that gold to buy skins outright. So a there's three different tiers of skins. There's the basic ones, the mid-level rarity ones, and the super rare ones, right? The super rare ones cost 4,000 gold. The mid-level ones cost like 15 to 25. And these are... I know for a fact the most expensive ones cost 4,000. I don't remember the prices of the other ones off the top of my head. Um, yeah. But... And 4,000 gold is not a lot. Like, it seems like a lot. But if you're if it's a game like Overwatch where it's probably your main game you're playing, you can earn that in four days. You know, like okay. it's not bad, okay. and those are like epic skins. Those are like, you know, cream of the crop, cream of the crop. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the last two news stories here, um, is running kind of long. Actually, you know, we're gonna skip the last two stories. Not too. We're gonna talk about PlayStation Five analyst and the new Xbox apparently is being designed and stuff like that. Those aren't. We can talk about it when there's real information. We'll skip that for now because we're running a little long. Let's get into the topics. Um, you want to go first, Jordan? You want to talk about simulation theory? 
Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Um, and as we get into this topic, I'll just go ahead and give you a, a loose definition of what we're talking about here. Simulation theory is something that was really brought into the mainstream with the release of The Matrix, the original Matrix film, uh, towards the beginning of this century. Um, or was it 99? I guess, I think the original Matrix was uh, the end of the 90s. But anyways, uh, simulation theory is basically the theory that uh, the reality that we exist within is actually a digital simulation, a very high-powered very intricate digital simulation. Ah, okay. And Jordan, 1999 is correct. Matrix, 1999. Okay, Just yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, turn of the century, you might say. Um, and so, with simulation theory, um, like I said, it was popularized with The Matrix. Obviously, that's a lot of what that movie is about, is the fact that, um, you know, blue or red pill, um, you can take one to see the true nature of your reality, which is the fact that you're living in a controlled simulation, um, or you can just decide to, uh, you know, continue on into this uh, fake reality that you're in and uh, just be blissfully unaware, I guess. Um, so the reason that I bring this up on this specific podcast uh, is because I've been thinking about it a lot with the advent of VR. Um, and then also it kind of ties into how good games are looking nowadays because uh, we look at something like uh, Destiny or um, I guess a better example would be like Metal Gear Solid 5, right? Because that takes place in the real world. Obviously there's all kinds of magical stuff, crazy stuff going on. Um, but it does take place in Africa in a tangible place that you can see. And it does, it's a gorgeous game running in the Fox engine. <clears throat> very realistic looking but what it is is uh what a lot of games are these days is which is hyper realism it actually looks better than reality it has a little more shine to it a little more sheen that uh you know glint on your eye if you will and so um with games looking as good as they do nowadays let's say non-vr games because vr games don't necessarily look as good as something like horizon zero dawn for example um, with games looking as realistic or even hyper-realistic as they do, and then the advent of VR where you are literally putting a headset on and, you know, venturing into a, a whole new world, virtual reality as it were, um, and we even see these peripherals that are kind of trickling out or that are um, not necessarily consumer technology yet, but they are being worked on where um, it's like full body VR, right, where it's like uh, mapping the entirety of your body through a suit or uh, something that you stand in or whatever. There's, I can't remember what it's called, but there's one that's like a circular uh, kind of um, stand that you are in the middle of with a rounded base. And so you can run inside of it and you're not going to like run out of it because it can twist you around so that uh, this rounded base that you're in, this like basin style thing, um, it feels like you're actually running, even though you're you're running in place. You've probably, if you've seen it, you've probably seen the gif of the guy running with a gun in his hands. That's the way it's, right. that thing's always shown. Is that get that same gif of that guy running with the gun in his hands in that like sphere thing? Right. This yeah. is something that you'd see at like CES or one of those big electronic trade shows, um, like yeah, the like some of the rides at like Universal Studios or whatever. 
Right, yeah, this isn't personal. necessarily yeah. a brand new concept. This is stuff that we've seen before. Um, and so I'll go ahead and put this out there. I uh, I live by the quote, you know, a smart man knows he knows nothing. And so uh, with that being said, I think that um, I don't know what the nature of our reality is down to a T, but I'm certainly willing to uh, be open to the fact that we might be in a very high-powered and uh, ultra high resolution simulation. Um, so I think that's interesting in the fact that with the advent of better looking games and virtual reality, augmented reality, and um, all different types of things uh, like that in this video game indus industry, I just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on um, some of that because when I see VR and I see us walking into these new realities or I see a game like Horizon Zero Dawn that just literally takes my breath away with how beautiful it is, it at least, uh, you know, gets me down that path of thinking about these things and whether or not it could be real. And really, I think, well, if Horizon looks this good and the VR, even though it's in its kind of first iteration, uh, at least looks believable, then, you know, in a hundred years it's really not conceivable that we'll have like a virtual reality simulation that you can't tell a difference from, you know, your own base reality to stepping into that, you know, if someone had like taken away your uh, recent memory or whatever and you just wound up in this virtual simulation without really knowing what was going on. So thoughts, but, gentlemen. So your, your next logical step, I like where you're going, kind of like free form here with this topic, but if yeah. uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, the, the next step, in VR, you know, 100 years from now is, like, the movie Avatar. Fuck that movie, by yeah. the way. But, you know, where <laughs> you're just getting in a in a little chamber, basically, and then you're, uh -huh. you're controlling something else. Whether or not, whether that's virtual, I can't remember the how that movie actually worked, if the blue things were actually Having real. Having sex with your hair and such, yeah. Yeah, but something along those lines. And there was another movie, I can't remember what it was called, Gamer or Game yeah, something. Yeah, with Gerard Butler, yeah. And Michael yeah, C. Where, Hull? Am I thinking of the same one? Maybe Michael C. Dexter. Was, that guy. Yeah, Gerard he was in the Gamer or Gamer. He was in a movie called Gamer or the Gamer. Something, something like that. Anyways. The the essence of it was that pretty much everyone in the world would just get in their VR systems and interact with each other that way. Um, yeah, I can't remember what else the plot was going on, but yeah, it was the same same kind of thing. I think that's the next logical step. Um, you see it going. Uh, I don't want to get into it, but you see it already or, starting to happen. Happening. I can't talk today. <laughs> um, with, like you mentioned, like full body simulations where, yeah, you can walk in any direction and the treadmill is going to automatically move around you. Yeah, I was going to bring in, up uh, the movie Surrogates with Bruce Willis where you literally like, yeah, lay down kind of like an animus style table and you don't move your body at all, but you, uh, you know, live your life through another uh, body essentially. And so then we're going to get to the point where you're just going to end up living in a pod, kind of like Wally style, like being fed nutrients through a tube. But then yeah. actually living your life in whatever virtual reality you please, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Without getting into the morality of it, I think that's kind of well, interesting. But and the cool thing is, like, you don't even. How are you going to handle respawning or stuff like that? You know, if you die. Um, so I'm going off of this topic, Jordan. I'm like really neurotic, so I I am always in my head. So I've thought about this stuff. Like, I've had multiple thoughts of like, well, are there? Is this like a multiverse situation where I'm in the multiverse where I'm the main character and there's other multiverses for each individual person where they're the main character, or is right, it like which is uh, um, not nihilism but um, 
Ah, oh, crap. What is the word I'm thinking of? Keep going, I'm sorry. Uh, or, like, uh, my other thoughts is, like, what if this is just a really advanced game of, like, civilization or something? You know what I mean? Or, like... Yeah, this is basically objective reality is what you're talking about. Like, exactly. the reality that I observe exists through me because I allow it to exist. Ah. Exactly. And also, well, there's that whole concept of that in uh, going into Elder Scrolls of, like, Kim and stuff like that, of, like, you transcend your existence when you realize you don't exist kind of thing. Yeah. It's like a whole... It's Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story about Elder Scrolls, which is that whole story the whole story is fascinating. Allies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have this thought all the time of this stuff for, like, there's a whole theory of like you know growing up you always consider yourself the main character of your story right obviously but people yeah. say it's a really weird out-of-body experience that sometimes you can meet people in your life and they're not necessarily celebrities but like just something about them like you're like oh i'm not the main character they are you know what i mean it's kind of like whoa yeah. weird. um and uh going to the whole point of like the reality of the situation of where we're going to go from here is like there's going to come a point where something needs to be facilitated because it can be dangerous. They've already done studies of people being in virtual reality and stuff like that for extended periods of time. We've talked about it, of like them going crazy or having weird mental issues, right? Because we're not used to that. But I think over the course yeah. of time, we'll get used to it. The, the 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 people that are afraid of AI can use this as a, as a thing of like, well, yeah, there's going to come a point where AI runs the world and essentially they put all humans in the thing like like uh, Don was saying of like they feed us nutrients and we just live these these artificial lives in these these virtual realities and they're just controlling everything around us and they literally have like human farms where we're just there living our lives and they just which is like the Matrix where Neo pulls the plug out and he's in the the Jello pod or whatever exactly and we're just we're at that point but then there's the whole discussion of like you can say you're not living a life but aren't you if it's real enough to you and you don't can't tell the difference yeah, then it is yeah. a life then right Ignorance that's a whole conversation yeah and like I don't know it's it's fascinating I think we're gonna there's gonna come a point where a lot of these questions are gonna need, need to be answered and going off of the VR thing is like we've talked about is the best things about VR and the future for VR have nothing to do with video games and it's gonna be interesting how far we take that tech and we've had a lot of morality issues that kind of stall scientific progress and it's going to be interesting to see at what point those questions come up you know we've had that stuff with yeah. cloning or um genetic manipulation stem cells yeah. exactly like all that stuff there's going to come yeah. a point where morality with or without religion is going to question the progress of virtual reality uh or augmented reality and we're gonna have to deal with that when that comes so yeah the, cool the only so the only counterpoint i'd offer that is i don't know if we'll make it to that point anyway <laughs> I think we might end up extinct before we have to answer those questions, but yeah. So first of all, I just want to say I'm really uh, pleasantly surprised with how open to this topic you guys were. I know we're mostly open-minded individuals, but you could certainly present this to some people, and they'd be like, "Screw you, man! Like this is stupid. What are you?" Hell doing? no! I'm voting for Kid Rock. Stop talking to me about this. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Moving to Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that, and then I want to kind of close this by saying this. My, Since you were talking about how you like to jump in your head, Jared, and kind of think these things through, uh, a tr really trippy thought line that I've gone down is that what if we're in this constant loop where we're just, uh, we're basically going into these high, like high-powered virtual simulations, building up technology within those simulations to the point of getting a virtual reality that does feel real going into a new simulation then building up technology in that simulation to where we 
are finally able to go and do another simulation we're like just yeah. constantly in this loop i just think that'd be crazy well, you you saying that that reminds me of i had this weird thought too of so obviously i'm not a i'm not a religious person in the terms of i don't follow a religion but religion does intrigue me and i've studied religion right like it does intrigue me the whole yeah. concept of it and one of the thing the rabbit holes i went down thinking about this stuff is like well, what if reincarnation is based on something in reality, whereas if we're in a simulation, reincarnation is essentially you finishing that game with that person, whether that be through your own accord of dying of old age or dying early from a freak accident, and you're getting right. reincarnated into a new body, into a new life, because it's Respond. the next simulation. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you're just yeah, moving yeah. on from person to person, um, and that's why there's, like, a deja vu and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, and what if, like people going to heaven is essentially them just them kind of remembering their best simulation they've ever had you know what i mean saying like they they're like well heaven is everything you enjoy and everything that you love and what if that's just the best simulation you ever had or like the end game i don't know it's it's a whole thing it's a whole rabbit hole we can go down and like like you said there's some people that are close-minded to this stuff but i think it's cool like why not talk about it what's the what's the big issue it's like it's obviously what is because with some people um, especially if you are religious yeah. and you're, you know, yeah. I'm coming in questioning the nature of your reality, then it's like, that's, you know, making people uncomfortable or, or, um, you know, they're the people that are like, like, how did we evolve from monkeys when monkeys are still around? And you're like, well, I'll yeah. see you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is, um, something that kind of can push you out of your comfort zone because the nature of your reality is like kind of everything we have at the end of the day. Well, and know? I think. So. I mean, there, there. I'm not, I'm not trying to generalize or have a blanket statement here, but I think atheist or agnostic people, I think, are probably more open to this conversation than than religious people. And like I said, I'm not Absolutely. trying to generalize. There's probably a ton of religious people who are open to the conversation, but if you were to put, you know, a hundred atheist or agnostic people and then a hundred religious people and pull them on this, you'll probably have a higher percentage for atheist agnostic. And that might be well, ignorant they, speaking, but they I haven't made a decision yet. Exactly. So they're open to the possibilities. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we went kind of long here. Uh, I want to close out with something I've been wanting to do when we were all back on the podcast. And this is really simple. We don't need to go too deep into it or converse about it too much. I just want to go over some um, predictions for the next year. So uh, they're going to be multi-part questions. They're probably more than likely I'm looking through them, yes or no, and then uh, a fill in the blank, right? So I'm going to go through them. I want you guys to give me your answers. Uh, So the first question here. Uh, will IO Interactive be purchased by any publisher, and if so, who? My answer is yes, and I think it's going to be Microsoft. So, what are your guys' predictions? No, no. Okay. I think I think no because they. Sorry, were you going to give an explanation, Dom? No, I just think no. Just no. Okay. okay. I'd say no because they've you know just gone through this kind of tumultuous, uh, arduous, yeah. yeah, this arduous process getting out of out from under Square Enix, which. You know, that's a whole other conversation about how Square Enix has handled their Western properties over these last few years, which they were really trying to get into, and now they're really not. So there's that. But, uh, yeah, I think now that IO owns their IP, this, you know, really pretty iconic video game franchise, and uh, they're a decent-sized studio, even though they did downsize with this a little bit, I think that they're going to want to stay that way for, for a while. But they may, you know make contracts i think to yeah. basically become a second party and just you know oh we're only going to release on playstation or xbox okay next question this one again uh you just need to pick one of the three and then uh that's it 
and you can give me extra information if you want, but so PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, Switch, which one will have the largest price drop by E3 next year? Mmm. Xbox One X. Yeah, that's what I said too. I said 50 bucks. I said the others won't have price drops. Yeah, I mean, you can't... The the Switch is about as cheap as it gets. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, I could see if price drop, maybe if they decide to come out with a new model or something, but um, it's just not going to be percentage-wise as much. And then... Um, the Pro has no reason to drop its price. Like Not until they get into PS5 territory. Exactly. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah. Xbox One, especially since people are so up in arms. Not understandably so, since they're getting 4K at 60 FPS sometimes. Uh, but yeah... That'll be it. I'm assuming both of you guys think it'll be 50 bucks too, or do you guys think it'll be a different price drop? Yeah, I'd mm. say 50 for the yeah. first one. You know, yeah, it might 50 end up being a hundred dollars cheaper by the end of its life cycle. But okay, next one. This one's interesting. Uh, what game will get delayed until fall 2018? You could probably say GT Sport, even though it recently got a release date of October of this year. Uh, <laughs> my my choice is I said Red Dead Redemption Two. Uh, there's a lot of games you can probably put into that, like any of the quote-unquote Sony first-party exclusives that are all coming out yeah. in the first half, which yeah. I think is a, an absurd statement. <laughs> yeah. Like four exclusives I wouldn't even... you're going to have in the first six months, you're at, that's a lie. You're lying. Uh, like I said, man, somebody needs to cover up this summertime. Like, it's not a bunch of kids who are, you know just available during the summertime like people want to play games all year so somebody needs to start you know spreading shit out so what's your what, I mean, what, what game will get delayed until fall 2018 you know like far cry certainly won't red dead red dead god of war the answer is yeah but see that's not even a delay though because they've not set a date right even god of war they've said 2018 so yeah no but uh well, god of war said, well, sean laden said, said that like candidly or something right well, but also Mr. Layden, he, well, he said that, you know, essentially confirmed that everything we showed at E3 this year will be out in the first half of 2018, and there's, I just don't see, uh, you know, David Cage and the guys at Quantic Dream getting that shit done. They just, they just like to, you know, dig I'll, deep into their I'll let you, art. I'll let you guys count that. So if you want to say God of War, you can do that. If you want to say Detroit, uh, uh, Become Human, you can say that too. I'm putting Jordan down for Detroit Become Human. Uh... Red yes. Dead. Dumb. There's Far Cry. There's Red Dead. Far Cry's not yet. Uh, the Crew that, 2. That far. Uh, uh, Code Vein. Uh, I mean, like, A Way Out. None of these games have, like, solid enough um, dates to where I'd consider that a delay thieves. anyway. I mean, Red Dead said spring, right? What is early? I mean, All I of them know. say early, though. Yeah, so... Early is in the first six months. I'm just saying delay. It. Don't read too much into it. I'll just say red dead. If it's early, then fall isn't early. So if it gets, if it comes out of fall, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a hard thing, but let's whatever. We'll just deal with it. Uh, next up, uh, this one's an easy number question. How many Nintendo di- uh, directs will we have between now and next E3? Six. Gosh, that's a tough one. Five. Get, five. I, I said three. <laughs> six. Dom. Okay. Six is not yeah. crazy because sometimes they have an eight-minute oh, yeah. Pokemon presentation. Yeah. I'm going like, five. I'd say Lock it in. four. Okay. So we're, I'm at yeah, three, Jordan's like four, at four, Tom's at five. Uh, next also, up. I really hate to derail the show, but I just thought of something awesome. You have Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare. What if with this one they have Shred Dead Redemption for the <laughs> DLC and you're playing on a skateboard? Oh, God. Uh, 
Next up, how many OG Xbox games will be backwards compatible by this time next year? 20? No. 10. 30. I'm going to say That's 30 like plus, okay. but 30. Dom? Okay, I said 15. Yeah. I think one a month plus a couple of extra spicy boys. Um, spicy boys! Uh, next up, uh, will PSX... Uh, okay, at PSX this year, will we see Sucker Punch's game, The Last of Us 2, just, just both or neither? So, will we see we'll Sucker see Punch's both. game, Last of Us just 2, both or neither? Both. I, that's what I put too, Dom. Me name. <laughs> you don't see Sucker Punch's game at this fucking PSX. I swear <laughs> to God. Uh, next up, we only have a couple more questions left, guys. Four more. Uh, how many Wii U how many ports more? will release before next E3? Yes. Well, it looks like we might have just got a leak of uh, Fire, Fire Emblem Fates Complete Edition. Port is what yeah, that is. that's not a Wii U um, port, though. Yeah. Oh, good, good yes. differentiation there, yeah. Jared. Good I, how job. many How many Wii so, U ports? I said two. Say one more. Which I might be... I, I'm, I'm going to. Because I think Mario Maker... So, I don't think Smash. I think Mario Maker and, like, another wonderful 101. I think just one more. tease from uh, Platinum, so... I thought we had the... I thought it was a Bayonetta tease from Platinum. Both. It was both. They had two oh, images. Wow. They had one for Bayonetta and one for Wonderful 101. Well, yeah, I definitely think you're getting Bayonetta. Just one. Just Mario Maker. How many do you uh, say, Dom? While Jordan's going through? Okay. Okay. I guess I'm going with four, because if you're getting two from Platinum, I definitely think you're going to get another two from Nintendo. So, yeah. four. Uh, and I do, think, I do think there's some validity to the thought process of they're not announcing a port until the other port's out. Um, because they did that with Cart, uh, because Pokemon had to have done Pokemon tournament had to be done before that, but they waited for Cart to come out, and they're like, okay, here's the next one. I just don't think they want to overload people. With, here's all these ports, you know. I think there's of some all validity the games to, the to bring tournament. over from Wii U that people really wanted but didn't get to play because they didn't have that console. Like, why Pokemon? Well, Pokemon tournament would have been a good announcement if it was alongside Ultra Ultra Sun and Moon also coming to the Switch. But the fact that it's yeah, only Pokemon tournament true. is kind of garbage. Um, next up. Game most likely to get okay, delayed out go. of now 2017. I'll tell you guys my answer. <laughs> Probably Xenoblade right. Chronicles 2. I was thinking GT Sport or South Park, but I don't think South Park will get uh, delayed again. You know, GT Sport's an easy bear God to God forbid, South Park. <laughs> Good one. Um, Any gosh, ideas? I wish I had my release date. Get yeah, rattle. Uh, rattle. I can tell you guys some games. I can tell you guys some games. I'll go through it real quick. Okay, I'm going to go from uh, August on. Tacoma, Hellblade, Lawbreakers, Agent of Mayhem, Sonic Mania, Madden 18, Absolver, uh, Life is Strange uh, prequel. I forgot what it was called. Uh, Destiny 2, uh, Dishonored DLC, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, Project Cars 2, Pokémon Tournament, Cuphead, uh, Battle Chasers Nightmare, Middle Earth Shadow of War, Evil Within 2, South Park Fractured But Whole, Assassin's Creed Origins, Odyssey, Wolfenstein 2, Call of Duty, Crackdown 3, Super Lucky's Tale, Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, Star Wars Battlefront 2, and that's pretty much everything for the rest of this year. Yeah. Gosh, I think a lot of those are locks, man. Yeah. I really do. Uh, going through this, I think uh, the, Dissol the Dishonored uh, thing could maybe get yep, pushed. that's what I was going to say. Absolver that's maybe, because that game still doesn't look... I don't understand what that game is, personally. Um, 
And Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite looks rough. And I don't know if they might want to just delay that bad boy. I'm going to say Crackdown. looks rough. Crackdown? It's yeah. coming out with the Xbox That's why I think it won't happen. they got to hit that. Uh... On the last game I left off is what, what my pick is is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Two. That's my pick. Also, I left off Fire Emblem Warriors, which I I figured that was a lock. It's a yeah yeah. I guess I'll go with Dishonored DLC, even though like, how are they not going to be able to produce a DLC pack a new game year, within right. a year release of that game? Well, it, but the head's leaving, so there's like there's I don't think that'll affect it. I still think the game's coming. Well, out the head of. Uh, He's the head of the Austin Arcane Studio, and Dishonored's made in Europe. Oh, okay, I thought he. I thought the one in the one in Austin was the one that worked on Dishonored, and the one in Europe is the one that worked on Prey. I guess I had it backwards. No, it's backwards. Harvey uh, Smith is the one in charge of the Dishonored. You're right. One. Yeah. Uh, so, question nine: How many games from PlayStation's E3 conference that didn't get solid dates will get them at PSX? Most, I would say. So, what? How many do we have here? Spider-Man, like, Detroit, God of War, two, Days Gone. So, that's God four. of War, Days Gone, we'll get dates. Yeah. Um, you said two dumb. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Spider-Man will get dates. I think, I think uh, God of War. I went two as well. Losses. Um, Spider-Man probably not. I think that's going to end up. I think that ends up. You know, like. August, September next year, or something like that. Yeah. But you got to remember, even if they end up getting delayed, good point. Sean Layden's saying all these games are coming out the first half of next year, then they're going to have to have release dates by that time. I think but God this of War is only and the Shadow. release date getting point, shown at PSX. Or if the release, release date ends up being true. Then, right? Exactly, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to say. I'm going to say two. Two? Yes, we're all on board, two. Last question. Which of these will have the lowest Metacritic score? The Crew Jeez. 2, NBA Live 2018, or NBA Fire Emblem Live. Warriors? Kidding me? NBA Live 2018. I think. I'm going yeah, to throw another answer to this one. The Crew 2 is going to shock people critically. Throwing it out there. It's going to be great. Okay. I'll say we'll average. I mean, you know, Crew 1 was well received, I think, so. Lock it. Okay. And, like, how many fucking Warriors games have they made? Like that shit's they, all they, mediocre, they, I feel they like. They figured it out, right? Yeah, yeah, but they figured out how to make a six, though, right? A I consistent mean, six, though. Uh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. But, but they, they're usually never fours, you know? Yeah. It's like NBA Live is the easy call of, like, that one will probably suck. The other ones are like, mm, maybe, you know? Crew I think, is definitely oh, just the throw-in of, like, I couldn't think of a third game, so I'm like, the Crew All right, I got the 11th um, question, I think that right? game will be good, though. <laughs> will Kid Rock be a Michigan senator? No, just kidding. Don't yeah. answer. Don't answer. No. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, please. Uh, will Dom vote for Kid Rock? If it does, then that means that... Michigan resident. Yeah. If he wins, then that means I'm not the main character of the storyline. Uh, uh, <laughs> That's called oh, boy. Boys. Okay, so Jared is on point today. Let's uh, let's close up the podcast. What we're going to be playing and stuff. I'm going to be continuing some injustice too. Picking that up, playing some. Um, I'm getting an itch to to uh, play like play through something. I don't know what it is, but I'm just having that feeling. I, I want to get into a media experience, so I'm going to try to figure out what I want to play. Yeah, um, I know that feeling. And I might go back and watch Spider-Man: Homecoming a second time 
Uh, I really like the movie. Ooh. We talked about this before the show. Jordan was saying, like, it's kind of crazy how people are, like, losing their minds. I agree with you there. I think it's a very good movie. I think it's the best Spider-Man movie. I still like Winter Soldier and Civil War and a couple of other Marvel movies ahead of it. Um, but I do think it's a great movie. Um, I might go watch that again. I might go watch War of the Planet of the Apes comes out this weekend, right? Or is that next weekend? Yep. And I was planning on seeing Baby Driver last week, and then at the last moment I decided not to. Not because I didn't want to watch the movie. It's just that I was... I, I don't like spending money, so watching one movie was enough for me. Um, yeah. So I might watch Baby Driver. I'll pick something. I might watch something this weekend. And uh, I'm thinking of actually going back and rewatching through the MCU, to be quite honest with you. I, I'm thinking of going Damn. back to Iron the first Iron Man and watching through all of those. But That's a fucking task. That's not my priority. I'm going to oh. watch through season six of Game of Thrones before the premiere. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yes. What about you guys? Yes. We're all going to watch Game of Thrones season seven premiere. Yep, yeah. big old <laughs> premiere this weekend. Yep. You'll probably hear about us talk about that without any spoilers next week. So. Also, I'm going to see uh, Planet of the Apes this weekend. And then um, just another shout-out to a TV show, Season 2 of Preacher, man. Uh, or Preacher, as it's properly announced or pronounced. Um, Preacher is uh, a really interesting show. I've started reading the comic. It's very cool. Uh, but the show itself is is really well done. I think the first season was really good. The second season is really great, so I'm really glad to see this show moving in the direction it is. Not only that, but it gets me very excited because obviously Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have a great track record, but now they also have a great track record with comic adaptations, which means that I have a lot more faith in their Invincible adaptation that'll be coming soon. Hell yeah. I so cannot wait for that. very excited about that. That's another comic and, uh, I need to get back to. Thank you for reminding me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so, as far as games go, I've been meaning to get around to the old Crash Insane trilogy and Fur K. And, I think better uh, come to Xbox. There's rumors and stuff. I mean, it better come this year. Like, I hope it's at December really 8th want that's rumored because. Oh. It's one of those weird things. Yeah, man. They're, they're yeah not Dom, I grew, up, I I grew up with the Crash games. That's like my bread and butter. Jesus Christ. No, I oh! wanted the Crash remaster, <laughs> not the Uncharted series. Damn! Jared's on point! <laughs> no, Uncharted games are great. I, I just love Crash. And, like, that's a game that I grew up playing not only with myself, but with my sister, so there's a lot of nostalgia there, you know? Um, yeah. And it looks beautiful. You can say what about all this stuff about the gameplay not being great and stuff like that, but it's just, it's memories, dude. I think it's a lot of times when we, everyone talks about all these NES and SNES games being the greatest games ever made. I think it's a lot of yeah. nostalgia rose tinted glasses, to be quite honest with you. And that's, Very those true. are the glasses I'm wearing. Contact crash, lenses. So. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, uh, I just want to give a huge shout out to the Castlevania next Netflix series. Uh, only four episodes, but so fucking good, man. Got it queued up. Really gets me hyped on uh you know just video game adaptations in general because this is the way to fucking do it uh they're gonna have an eight episode season two so i'm very excited jordan addy shankar doing the assassin's creed one for ubisoft dude that would be cool man. no it's not it's not it's a thing they announced that i don't know if you missed the news an animated series yeah they announced that addy shankar is going to do the same thing for assassin's creed that they did with castlevania and ubisoft basically paid him to do it it's official it's happening when when did they announce this uh last week uh when castlevania came out they announced it was like front page of ign addy shankar to create assassin's creed series uh and it talks about like how castlevania gave people a lot of hope and ubisoft basically were like yeah here's some money make it that's awesome. Yeah. Assassin's Creed needs that shit because, you know, I 
I think the movie was decent. I loved the, uh, you know, past assassin scenes. I thought those were awesome. Of course, it was dumb that that wasn't most of the movie. Um, but you know, if that franchise continues, whatever. But this guy obviously knows what he's doing. So also, thank you, dear. That's really quick news. too. I don't want to cut you off again. Did you know that there's a Splinter Cell movie in the in the works with Tom Hardy playing uh, Sam Fisher, and the, the Division fuck? movie with Jake Gyllenhaal being the lead character? <laughs> Jesus, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is a great we'll actor. Get an Uncharted movie, and I think Tom, Tom Hardy's a great actor. Michael Fassbender's a great actor, and the Assassin's Creed movie wasn't great. So I'm kind of worried. I'm like, yeah. oh, those are great names, but. Well, and Jake Gyllenhaal with video game movies, uh, you know, Prince of Persia wasn't <laughs> exactly. so hot. Exactly, but, yeah. Um, also, I'll be playing uh, Horizon. I got, so okay, so I'm going to go see Spider-Man for and the first Dump? time this weekend. Then, of course, we got Game of Thrones. Uh, I'll keep watching Batman yeah. and my spare Timizzle. And uh, what else? What else? What else? I'm going to keep playing Skyrim because it's what I do now. Um, also, another thing I want to throw in, uh, Dom, I know you're not huge superhero guy the cool thing with spider-man i know it's a, probably an issue you have with the mc or s- superhero movies in general is like you go and watch it and there's all these references to other crap you don't even know what's going on i think spider-man does, easter eggs yeah i think spider-man does a great job of throwing in easter eggs and if you know them great if you don't they're e- they're in it enough to be like oh i'm gonna google that name who is that oh got it you know they're not overbearing or anything which i think is really i cool. would recommend watching a youtube video i certainly yeah like a wrap-up of here are the easter that. eggs you missed um <laughs> uh, okay. I like Spider Man. Right. At no, least you're no. honest. I, I just Spider Man's it's good. It's a good one of the better spiders that are out there. So, looking forward to that. He's a comfort. Oh boy, Michael Mando is Scorpion. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. comfort food is superheroes. Uh, otherwise, Spider-Man. there was something else I was going to say, and I can't oh, yeah. remember. Oh, Jordan. Yes, yes, I mentioned that Skyrim Real, special like, edition motioning nope, right now. Sorry, I've been having a hankering. After listening to <laughs> Kind of Funny's last game cast, I think you know where I'm going with all, with this already, Jordan. I've just been really wanting to play Kingdom Hearts, and I. Oh I, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And when they said maybe. when they when they concluded yeah. that you only need to really I mean, play Dom, one, two, and I forget the third one, the PSP one, I think. Birth by Sleep. If you play just those Birth by Sleep, three, Birth by Sleep, right? Then you're sleep. in pretty birth good shape. You don't really need to play the rest. Time. So now I'm motivated. You know, I gotta say I disagree with him. I got I, I disagree with a lot of things on that podcast, and that is one of them. I think uh, Kingdom Hearts is one of those series that, like, if you are into it and you like that the, the crossover thing that they've got going on there, I think you just got to go balls deep. And you know, it is like crazy convoluted, but um, some people are into that, and I think you just gotta. It's like you know. A Souls game, like it's going to take your soul, so you just got to kind of give it up and, and do it. Uh, you can't half-ass that sort of thing. But I think you could, you know, you could play those three games and, and have a general idea. But there is a lot of like very just feeling it. It's like it's grabbing my ankle, games, so. kind of pull me in. But don't. But definitely, at least start. You gotta. Uh, exactly. You get the one point five, two point five remix on PS4, and that'll give you. Birth by Sleep, which is the starting point and my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. So there you go. You want to hear something that I've I've never shared because I, it, it, I'll, I'll say it now. My <laughs> my problem with Kingdom Hearts, personally, and I'm not a super mm. fan. I'm not even close to the fan that you are, Jordan. My problem with Kingdom Hearts 
is that it originally came out, it was this mix of Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts. And this has nothing to do with the specific lore it's created. That's not where Final I'm going. Final Fantasy and Disney. Yeah. What did I say? Kingdom Hearts. My bad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Disney and Final Fantasy. And when I would, what I was hoping is I could care two shits about Final Fantasy. I was hoping that it would lean into Disney, right? Lean heavily into yeah. Disney. My problem is that through creating its own lore, which is fine, it's still super heavily weighed into the Final Fantasy conventions of storytelling, which kind of turned me off personally, of like it being super yeah. convoluted and all this stuff. And I understand a lot of people love that, and it's cool, but that for me, I'm I'm disappointed from my perspective that they leaned towards that way of progressing the series. And that's my own hang-up. It's whatever. Who cares? My opinion doesn't matter. Hey, man, I, I would never fault you for it because I think... They've made mistakes, and they've obviously done things where they were kind of just, like, keeping the series alive with these uh, side games yeah. waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3. But um, it is cool, and I think we can all agree on that, just the crossover itself. So Yeah, and the more I think about it, I I don't even know if I'm even a Kingdom Hearts fan, to be honest with you. Because, like, playing those games, yeah. my favorite parts were the Disney parts of being able to be in the Disney worlds. I could care less yeah. about the Kingdom Hearts part of it, you know, so... That is one thing I will say real quick is that it sucks that Kingdom Hearts almost never gets talked about for his gameplay because of, you know, the fact that it's this big crossover, the fact that the story's way too convoluted, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think they are very good, very competent action RPGs. Yeah, and, the Keyblades uh, are still cool too. Birth by Sleep. Like, that's a good way to do, like, quote-unquote gear chase of, like, you want to get that new powerful Keyblade and they're all unique and they yeah. look super badass. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and the combat was fun. Um, yeah. So I think that wraps up our show. The first time we're all back, we'll probably all be back next week. I don't think any of us have plans to not be on the show. And we'll have a back-to-back weeks of all three of us. Uh, we're going to have a busy week, I think. And we'll catch you guys in episode 64, I believe. I'm not too... Yeah, no, 65. This week was episode 64. Yeah, yep. uh, yeah. if you guys want, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jared underscore. Dom is at Dom's Oreos. Jordan is at Mellow Modus. You can follow the Controlled Interest Twitter at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. Um, yeah, we're at 99 subscribers, so we're like one subscriber away. So if you can, please subscribe, rate us on <laughs> iTunes, it helps. We say it every week, but it's the truth. We don't just say it to say it. Everyone says it because it matters. Um, and also, I want to uh, shout out Millennial Gaming Speak, which is the podcast that Logan and... Uh, Max. Uh, I'm brain farting. Uh, Max. Logan and Max do. Yeah, I was brain farting. Uh, Logan and Max do. They recently did their 100th episode. I was on it. They were talking about uh, basically gaming origin stories uh, of like how you got into gaming and stuff like that. And they brought on a bunch of guests that they had previously. The reason I want to pimp it out is they actually came to me and asked me if I would redesign their whole thing for them. So I made their avatar, nice. their podcast cover, all of that stuff for them. Uh, and I, I think it came out pretty good. They really liked it, which is more important to me. I don't care if I like what I make people as long as they like what I make people. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check that out if you can. And we'll catch you guys next time. 